welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Welcome everybody. How's everybody doing today? I'm good to go. It's going to be an awesome day. We've had an awesome time of worship. I'd uh, just like to re-welcome everybody to KC City Church. If, you, if we haven't seen you in a while, it's good to see you again. And uh, for those that are new, uh, certainly welcome. Today's a day of celebration. And the uh, title of this message is uh, our, uh, our, redemption, our Resurrection Miracle. So resurrection is an amazing miracle from God. And today, what we're doing with water baptism is a symbol of that resurrection miracle. It represents it. In the Old Testament, they had the law. And many people today think, oh, we've still got to follow all the law, right? We've got to follow the law. But, but that's not quite correct. Jesus came to fulfill the law. But the law was there to teach. Water baptism today has the ability to teach you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us he's the firstborn amongst many brethren. But doing water baptism today is not something that's going to get you to heaven. I could dunk every person in here today, and not necessarily every person is going to get to heaven in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 7 and 9, we get a little explanation about the connection between grace and faith. And we need to understand that today, to understand our resurrection miracle. It says that God in the ages to come wanted to show his exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Understand that that's God showing his grace and his kindness. That's not God relying on your grace and your kindness. It's God providing the grace, God expressing his kindness. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If you and I were capable of doing something to actually earn our salvation, if we were capable of doing something, then when we got to heaven, we'd be looking around and going, hey, I see you managed to level up. Hey, you did it. I did it too. Check me out. I earned this. There will be no one in heaven who earned heaven. It is not possible for you and I to earn heaven. And that's important for you to understand. Even water baptism today, we're going to understand why it is that we water baptize. It doesn't get you to heaven. What it represents gets you to heaven. It's who it represents that gets you to heaven. Amen? That's what does it for you. In Romans chapter 5, verses 12 uh, and I'm going to jump around a little bit here. You can pop these up if you want to. I want us to understand how we got in this situation. You and I have a skill that we were born with that we really didn't want. I don't know about you, but I have a skill. I can mess anything up. I can totally mess it up. 
You can give me something good that's perfect, and I can find a way to mess it up. It's not my desire, although sometimes it is, if I'm honest. Sometimes I get up out of bed in the morning, it's like I got up out of the casket. Old dead Kev, pre-Jesus Kev, gets up, and he's, a, he's got a bit of a day-wrecking attitude. And I need to get on my knees, and I need to reconnect with my Jesus. Hallelujah. It's available to me every day. You know, when, when we mess up, it says, if we will confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Amen? And the reason that he's able to do that is represented in the water today as we go through baptism. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 and 21, it says, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everybody sinned. You know, hematology is the study of human blood, and we know through hematology that you and me, all of us, with all of our different skin colors and languages and countries and nationalities and, yes, food flavors, we all came from one blood, from one person, the person of Adam. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. Science proves God. You know, scientists used to believe that uh, the universe always existed. It was always in a steady state. It never changed. And then their boat got rocked. Because the Bible said that God spoke, and it was. There was nothing, and then there was something. And nowadays we know the Big Bang Theory. And I'm not talking about the sitcom. Science eventually catches up with what the Word of God reveals to us. Amen? Our sin nature that we're born into because of Adam has affected us. You know, Eve was tempted in the garden, and if you listen to what the serpent says, because, put it this way, like, they were in a garden filled with, just imagine, millions of yes trees. You can eat from any one of these trees that you want. Millions of them. There's just one that's a no tree. Don't eat of this tree. And Eve must have been standing there checking it out. And the serpent came up and he said, uh, why don't you have a bite? No, God said not to. He said, on the day that I do, I'll surely die. The serpent said, well, God knows you're not going to die. On that day, you're going to know good and evil just like God. You'll be like God. Now, God is capital G good, right? That's all Adam and Eve knew up to that point. A lot of people think that it's all, well, evil was just added to the good they already knew. But no, no, there was a lowercase g good that, that they found out about. When they ate that fruit, it was lowercase g good and evil. Now, you and I would be like, oh, evil is bad. But what about that lowercase good? i got to tell you, that lowercase good is bad, too. That good that, that I want to use to justify my actions, that good that just seems right. You know, the world says it's right. Why don't I just go along with this? Everybody else is saying it's right. It must be good, right? No, it's not. Lowercase good is an imposter trying to replace God's good, trying to distract us from finding out about God's good. So if sin came in through Adam, then through Jesus Christ, we can receive righteousness by grace through faith. 
And that's the beauty of what's represented in the baptism today. You know, as we sit here, a lot of us, and you hear this a lot in the world today, I hear it when I talk to people who aren't a believer and don't know Jesus. When I talk to them about God and about Jesus, one of the first things I usually hear is, look, I'm a good person. And then they talk about, you know, how they gave at the office and all of that kind of stuff. And they can list a whole bunch of things that are good. But if those good things are keeping you away from God, they are a lowercase good, and they're an imposter. And God wants to set you free from that. Scripture actually tells us in Romans chapter 3, in verse 10, it says, all of us are under the power of sin. And it says, no one is righteous, not even one. There isn't one of us born into this world who is righteous. Not even one. Let that settle in. Those moments where you thought, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I've scored some points with God. I've been doing some good things. When we slip into that, we're slipping into what's called works. We're slipping into what's called us earning our own righteousness. God doesn't want us to do that. God wants to give us our righteousness, put us in right standing with himself through Jesus Christ as a free gift. Because the truth is, you and I can't do it. We cannot do it. It is impossible to please God without faith. It is, scripture says it's impossible to please God without faith. So how does this work? Well, it's through grace. Let's understand what grace is. Grace is accessed by faith. Grace is God coming to us with all of his stuff, all of his goodness, all of his kindness, all of his salvation, everything you and I can't earn, can't create, can't make, can't even fake it properly. God brings it all to us and he offers it to us. And faith is us coming to God with empty hands and receiving from God. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. None of us will be able to boast. Does that make sense? Amen. You know, grace has always been God's plan. It's not just a New Testament thing. Grace was there in the Old Testament. The Jews were meant to go out and take the message of grace out to the world. They were supposed to go and do that, but they took the law that was there to teach them about their sin and their need for a Savior. It was meant to teach them about their continual problem of getting it wrong. But they turned it into a religion and a point-scoring system, and you could level up, and the next thing you know, away we go. Let's earn our righteousness. And the message of grace went out, but it didn't quite go out the way that it was meant to. We know that grace was always God's plan because the Bible reveals to us in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, that it says that um, it talks briefly about the Lamb, the book of the Lamb of God. This is a book that Jesus has. Everyone who has actually believed in their heart and confessed Jesus Christ is Lord, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He's got a record. Hallelujah. He's got a record, and once your name is in there, he's not taking it out. I want to assure you of that. 
He's not taking it out. Once it's in there, it's in there. But it reveals to us in this passage a peculiar thing. The, the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Ho! What's all this about? You know, in the Old Testament, they would slaughter lambs and goats, and the blood of that would be used to take away and cover uh, sins, but it had to be done again and again and again and again. God was never satisfied with that. He was never going to be satisfied with that. That was to teach the Jews about their sin and the Lamb of God who would come to take away the sins of the world. They could believe, and many did, in the Lamb of God who would come to take away the sins of the world. The Bible says right here in Revelation that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the world were even laid. It's always been God's plan to pay for our sin debt. You know, God's not surprised. He's not trapped by time like you and I are. He's not subject to it. God sits outside of time. He created time. Einstein revealed to us that gravity and time are woven into the fabric of space, the material universe. When God created the material universe, guess what? Time came with that. God's not subject to time. The Bible says he knew you in advance. Those who would accept him, he knew them in advance. He knows you. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in whom we will baptize people, we'll baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, following Jesus' commandment that I'll cover in just a minute. And we'll baptize them into Jesus Christ. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the three who are one, one God in three persons. If that doesn't fry your circuits, I don't know what will. Theologians are still discussing and exploring that whole concept. I love it. But God says of himself, one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, an eternal loving community. The Lamb of God, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, there was an agreement between Father and Son and Holy Spirit that Jesus would come into the earth in the form of of a baby, that he would be born into the same world as us, that he would live just like we do, tempted in every way, and he would do it without sinning. Oh, praise God. Sin entered the world through Adam. Jesus came to undo that and bring eternal righteousness and to make it available to us. God with his grace and his hands full, offering to you and I the free gift of salvation, free, absolutely free, to just believe and lay hold of that. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 says, With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he, being Jesus, entered the most holy place in heaven once and for all time and secured our redemption forever. Jesus, our high priest. The priests in the Old Testament times would have to slaughter lambs and goats and take the blood and take it into the holy of holies, the temple made by hands of men, beautiful though it was, and they would sprinkle the altar there and they would offer it up to cover the sins of the people, but it was just there to teach about the one who would come, who would enter the holy of holies in heaven and pay for our sin debt to redeem us. Our redemption miracle is a miracle. And it's laid hold of by something so simple as faith. 
Today, if you've never believed, today's your day. You're hearing the gospel. You can believe with your heart, confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and be born again in spirit today. Hallelujah. Available at a moment's notice. At a moment's notice. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 14 and 17, we see Jesus being water baptized. I want to read this to you. Jesus goes down to the river Jordan. John the Baptist was there baptizing people. And Jesus went to him to be water baptized. And John, in verse 14, says, But John tried to talk him out of it and said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. He said, Why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Verse 16, after his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling upon him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Jesus went purely as an act of obedience to his Father. And at the end of that act of obedience, God just said, Oh, I surely am pleased with him. Look at that. Amen. God is pleased with obedience. One of the reasons we will water baptize today is because of obedience. We seek to be obedient to the command of God. So for anyone being water baptized uh, who's not dressed, if you want to go and get dressed, make that happen, that would be great. I think all the kids are ready. Looking around, I'm seeing it. Some people look like they're heading off to the pool. It's going to be awesome. I got the water ready. It's going to be good to go. But you know what? Coming back to my point that water baptism, any kind of works, any sort of thing that you do does not have the power to save you, only believing alone. As an example of that, when Jesus hung on the cross, there were two thieves next to him. And those two thieves, to me, are a beautiful representation of the world. You and I were guilty in our sins, dead in our trespasses. Jesus came to die on the cross in our place to take away our sins. All that was, is required of us is to believe in his sacrifice. That is all that is required of us. And then we receive his righteousness. Those two thieves were giving him a hard time, giving Jesus a hard time, just like the crowd was. But one of them finally realized that, no, wait a minute. This guy is more than a guy. I believe this guy's the Messiah. I believe he's Jesus. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Remember me. Simple as that. What did Jesus say to him? He didn't say, oh, it's a shame. You're just a little too late. We could have water baptized you last night. Sorry, you miss out. No, it was his belief. He turned to Jesus in his moment of desperation, believing. Jesus, remember me. Jesus, I'll do better than that. <laughs> You'll be with me. You will be with me. I assure you today, Luke 23, 43, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. 
God offers salvation to absolutely everyone. Contrary to many people in my home country, America, we do not have a favored status. There is no nationality other than the Jews who has any sort of favored status with God. They have a special status, but no one else does. God offers salvation to all, and that salvation is to the Jews as well. We are all treated the same. We are all equal in Christ Jesus. They have a, an interesting history with God. In Acts chapter 8, verse 36 to 38, we see after Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples were told to gather together and to wait. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down like tongues of fire and rested upon them. They busted out into the street, many singing, many laughing. It seemed as though they were drunk. They were drunk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Still happens today. Praise God. They were out in the streets, and from there, the church took off. And you know what? There was an Ethiopian ruler who had been in Jerusalem for one of the festivals, and he was heading back home on his chariot, and he was reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip, one of the disciples, saw him and said, hey, what are you reading? I'm reading the book of Isaiah. Do you understand what it is that you're reading? Uh, kind of, I think so. And the next thing you know, Philip's up in the chariot with him. They're both riding along, and Philip's telling him about Jesus, whom the prophet Isaiah had prophesied about hundreds of years before Jesus came. And faith came to the Ethiopian. At a point, he had the information that he needed to believe. Only believe. By faith alone. Acts chapter 8, verses 36 to 38 says, As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Now, he had already believed. He had already been saved, and now he needed to be baptized. The second he realized it, it was like, I want to do that too. Why can't I be baptized? There's some water right there, and it says that Philip got down, and Philip baptized him with water as an act of obedience. Let's take a look at Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. We saw the example of Jesus getting water baptized as an act of obedience to his Father. We saw that, and now we see Jesus, just before he ascends to heaven, just before he ascends, and he gives the disciples some instructions. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. So we have the example and we have the command that we follow. What the water baptism represents is a miracle to us, an amazing miracle done for us by God and not by ourselves. All that is required is faith. And those being water baptized today will make their little declaration of faith um, before they step in. And we will baptize them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
as an act of obedience, as an act of following the example that Christ set for us, but also representing the miracle of our redemption, our redemption miracle. Romans 5.11 says, So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Friends with God. That's what God has offered to us is, is friendship. To know God. To be a friend of God. Especially for the children who are being water baptized today. God is your friend. He's always loved you, but to enter into that friendship is everything and has the power to hold you in the difficult circumstances of life. Jesus also offers us a promise. I don't know about you, but the world outside is getting kind of crazy. In John chapter 14, verses 2 to 3, Jesus says, There's more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, I would have told you, that I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and I will get you so that you will always be with me where I am. There's a blessed hope. My father passed away recently. He had given his heart to the Lord probably about eight years ago, and he was different after that. You know, there's a difference. That act of faith, that step of faith, Laying hold of that free grace changes you. You become different on the inside. You may still sin at times. You will. Look, not may. You will. But he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins when we confess. Amen. But you'd be different. Dad was different. And you know what? Dad, he died peacefully. Can't wait to see him again. What a blessed hope. The Bible says that uh, when someone passes, we who believe don't grieve like those who have no hope, those who haven't believed. Oh, there's such hope in this life and in the life to come. God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. God is faithful. He is faithful. He is forever faithful. God has been nothing but good to us. He's offered us the free gift of salvation. I'd like to just offer all of us an opportunity just to pray. We're going to pray the sinner's prayer. It's a strange thing, kind of an outline from Scripture. I'll give you the ABCs of salvation. Real simple. A, admit that you've sinned. B, believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is God in human skin, the Lamb of God, come to take away the sins of the world that he died in your place. And confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord. That is all that the thief on the cross did. That is all that is required. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. And it can be yours today. Let's pray. Lord, we confess our sins before you. We mess it up. We get it wrong. 
Jesus, we believe you're the Lamb of God, come to take away the sins of the world. We believe you lived a sinless life. We believe that because you knew no sin, that when you were crucified, that death couldn't hold you down, and that you were raised back to life again, and because you live, we can live. I invite you, Jesus, to be Lord of our lives. Make it your prayer. Jesus, I invite you to be Lord of my life. I give my life to you, Jesus. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Take my life. Use my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, and please come and see me after the service. I would love to have a chat with you. You can see Pastor Larry. You can see Pastor Krista. You can see any one of our elders. You can pretty much see anybody here at Casey City Church. Uh, but please let us know. Well, we're going to take communion. Does everyone have communion implements? We'll take communion before we water baptize. got your implements ready. Everybody's handing some out to the kids. We'll give the kids just a second. These communion implements, the bread and the wine, represent the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians in a minute, a revelation that was given to the Apostle Paul personally by Jesus, by the resurrected Christ, by Jesus, personally. Let's take the bread and let's take the wine. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. His body was broken for us. The chastisement needful to obtain our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. So let's, let's break the bread. Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross, you endured the shame, you endured all of it. Because you could see a day where we would sit here as many have done over the last 2,000 years, and confess our faith in you and remember you. So, Lord, we thank you for your body. We thank you for what you took upon you. We receive healing today. We receive freedom from infirmity, from mental illness. We receive freedom from emotional harm, 
We receive that. We receive it in your name, Jesus. Let's partake of the bread together. Mary. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for our sins. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that our sins were as red as scarlet, and your blood washed us as white as snow. We thank you for the miracle of our redemption, Lord. We thank you that your shed blood went into the Holy of Holies, into a place we could never go, and completely, once and for all, wiped out our sin debt. We thank you that we stand free in your sight today. We thank you for your precious, precious blood. We do this in remembrance of you, Lord. We know that you won't drink of this cup again until we drink it with you in heaven. We thank you. We praise you. We look forward to that day. We remember you. Let's partake. Hallelujah.